0: We're getting this new sermon series called Hindsight in Twenty Twenty. And the idea is that nothing makes us look forward more than looking back. And so we're gonna look back, and I don't know how you spent your new years looking back on the past year, the past decade, and feeling good about it, or looking back on the past year or past decade and struggling with what you remember. And we're going to talk about both of those kinds of feelings. And the reality is is that both of those kinds of feelings can be found in the Psalms all over the place. Whether you had a great 2019 and you're singing the praises of God or you had a pretty rough one and you're having a hard time, you can find an emotional partner there in the Psalms. And so that's where we're going to start our series today from Psalm 119. Terry wanted to lift up the message version of that this morning. It says this, you can find it with me in your worship handout. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right, you don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road that he said. You, God, prescribed the right way to live, and now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set that I never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Well, Happy New Year, everyone. You know, again, I'm sorry about the heat. We're going to call and get that taken care of this afternoon, so if you get up and move toward the sunshine, I will think nothing of it. So, just go right ahead. Um, We are, the church celebrates today, traditionally, the day of Epiphany. Now, last week we celebrated that in our worship service with the three kings and the story and all of that, but Today would be the day that we would celebrate that in the life of the church. And epiphany literally means to shine forth. To shine forth. And at the beginning of a new year, it's always a time of reflection, right? And light shining forth causes reflection. I can see that in some of the sunlight in the glasses over here in this side of the sanctuary. Reflection. Light causes reflection. And so every new year we reflect upon the past. That's just natural. That's just who we are. And it seems like every year just gets faster. Amen? Amen. You know, Joe has this saying. He says it all the time in the house. He says, life is like a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) Okay, honey. Life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it rolls. (laughs) And that is so true, isn't it? For those of us who are maybe a little bit older, that is so true. Every year just gets faster. And as life rolls, we can't help but look back. We can't help but have those reflections upon the things that we've experienced, upon our life. And every time there is a reflection, most times we think of some things we regret. Some things we wish we would have done a little differently. Opportunities that we missed. I mean, that's just human. That's just natural. Because if you're not having some regrets... You're not living, church. Right? We all have mistakes. We all make mistakes. Um, Students from um, from Strayer University did a little sociology experiment. They set up a chalkboard on one of the busy intersections, and they wrote at the top, regrets. And as people walked by the chalkboard, they would write their regrets on the chalkboard. And soon, pretty soon, the chalkboard started to fill up. It started to fill up with um, not fulfilling the dream, not going to the university I wanted to go to, not spending more time with my family. And before long, they realized that there was this common theme within the regrets, and that was not. Not not doing some of the things that they had wanted to do or experienced. And then the next day, they did this. They gave an eraser connected to the chalkboard. And they watched the regrets starting to be erased. The same people maybe have taken that same route, walked by the chalkboard again, and they took the eraser and they erased The regret. And by the time of the end of the day, they wrote clean slate at the top. And one girl even expressed that as she erased the regret, she found hope. She found hope. We all want a clean slate, don't we? We all want to have that clean slate. That's what we're talking about in our sermon series, Hindsight in 2020. We're we're not doing this sermon series to be like kind of, oh, you need to look at all your regrets and all the mistakes and and for you to feel bad about yourself. What we're wanting to do is look back in order to see how we can move forward, to look back and, and let some of those things from the past go so that we can move forward in Christ. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we come before you as your people, as your children. We ask that you touch our minds and hearts today for what you have to say to us. Help us to focus on you, to turn our attention toward you, and may this be your worship, your proclamation, O God. I pray that... The meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth might be acceptable in your sight, my blessed rock and redeemer. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, regrets come in many forms, don't they? They come from our actions. We did something we are not proud of. We said something that we wish we could take back. Um, We made a decision that should have gone the other way. We gossiped or quit a job. I mean, there, there are things that happen from our actions, but as we saw from that illustration in the chalkboard, most of our regrets come from the things of our inaction, the things that we don't do. Turning a blind eye to a need, neglecting a friend, ignoring a symptom, not spending enough time with our family, I mean, I could go through all of the things that people have told me over their lifetime. I've heard if only a lot. I've heard a lot of I shoulda, I coulda, I woulda. Right? Well, I wonder how many times Adam and Eve looked back upon that garden experience for when they took a bite of the forbidden fruit. I wonder how many times they beat themselves up for that. You know, we could be living in paradise, we could have it all in front of us, but no, we had to eat the apple. Yeah, we had to pretend that we were God. And then I wonder how many times Esau scolded himself for giving away his birthright for a bowl of lentil soup. Looking back on that decision, that wasn't the wisest. And then I wonder how many times Peter thought about that time that he regretted that he refused and denied Jesus three times. We all have regrets. Even some of the most faithful have regrets. We we move into that, and there's always a time when we probably have said at one time in our lives, I wish I had, and you fill in the blank. Right? That's just part of our maturing. That's just part of growing up, it's just part of who we are as a broken human condition. In fact, as author Michelle Van Loon says in her book, If Only, she says this, as we move toward adulthood, one of our greatest strengths is our idealism. The passion that fuels our idealism also feeds idealism's trigger happy pal impulsiveness, and when we're young, we're prone to make quick decisions without considering long-term consequences. As a result, we're also prone to accumulating a nice collection of unprocessed regrets that we may not fully realize even until our middle age, but that's life. We have to grow, we have to mature, we have to make mistakes in order to learn, amen? Have you ever learned from your mistakes? I hope you're telling me yes. Yeah. Well, there's two ways that you can approach regret in my line of thinking here. You can let regret consume you, or you can use regret to move forward. When you choose the path of dwelling on the past and dwelling on your regrets, regret can be incredibly unhealthy, amen? We cannot change the past, and some things are just out of our control, right? There are some things that we encounter in this life of ours that are just beyond our control, and so... Therefore, we wish we could have handled that differently or we wish we could have handled that or it could have gone in a different direction, but we can do that all day long. If we dwell on that, it's just only going to eat us alive. Mark Shelley, uh, the author of Frankenstein, says, regret causes us to become cannibals of our own hearts. Regret causes us to become cannibals of our own hearts it's a leech that steals from our present in order to feed the pain of our past hindering our future in the process however if we take the other path the path of moving forward regret can actually become a gift it can become a gift of wisdom Because we can learn from our mistakes, and we can learn from those decisions that we've made in the past, and we can choose to do things differently in the future. Sometimes regret regret can actually move us toward positive action. Take, for instance, you have a regret that you've been in a relationship with someone and you've said something that hurt them deeply, and you regret those words. You regret. You wish you could just reach back in time and pull them back and not have said them. And that regret can even move you toward coming back with that friend and asking for forgiveness. And so when that happens, regret is actually something that's moving us toward positive action. Paul talks a lot about moving toward God in this, to give God that right path. He says in his second letter to the church in Corinth, the the letter that is a little bit more um, in-your-face kind of letter, he says, distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain, but those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on a deathbed of regrets. If we let regrets pull us away from God, then that only continues the cycle of moving us further away from one another, moving us away from God. I think we're going to have
0: to. I so you're using that microphone.. Do you want to use this? Yeah.
1: Okay, how's that? That better? No crackling. can't stand crackling. Regret that. Sorry. (laughs) So Paul is saying you can't let regret move you away from God. You have to face it in order to receive the wisdom, to receive the forgiveness, to receive the reconciliation. You have to, to not let it eat you alive, but you have to. There's this in the prayer that Pastor Sean read just a moment ago talking about how we are to walk with God. I love the section. You can read that there in your worship bullets and you can see, Oh that my steps might be steady keeping to the course you set then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. Now the psalmist is not saying that You won't make mistakes. What the psalmist is saying, that if you walk with God and you keep God as your counsel, these regrets, they'll be forgiven. You won't even think about them twice. You won't live with them. You won't live with them on your deathbed. Both the psalmist and Paul declare what we know to be right. Even though reflection is a good thing, we cannot move forward if we're always looking in the past. Right? Have you ever tried to walk forward looking backwards? Maybe that's what Pastor Marvin was doing. I don't know. (laughs) No, you can't. You can't move forward. You can't step forward if you're constantly looking back. Now, I have to look back occasionally because I don't want to leave my choir out, right? (laughs) Yeah. Looking back sometimes is a good thing. It causes us to reflect, but we cannot move forward if we're always looking back. We turn to God and ask God to move in, move into our lives and restore things to make our slate clean so that we no longer have to worry about those things in the past, no longer have to dwell on them, we may look back at the event, the words, or the inaction, but we remember at the same time when we have God in the midst of it that we've been forgiven, that, that God is going to take that part away, that, that we can move forward on God's path. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? It's found in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to read it in just a second. But we don't know too much about Zacchaeus, and the way that we remember Zacchaeus is through the song, right? You ever sung that with your kids? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, and Lord, he wanted to see. And as the Lord walked by that day, he looked up in the tree, and he said, you can say it, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. Now, I just have to tell you, I forgot the song at 8.30. (laughs) I looked over at Sean and went, yeah, I probably need to re-sing that in my mind. I hadn't sung it for a while because I hadn't been with the kids to sing it with it. But you hear the whole story in that little song. But we don't know too much about Zacchaeus except for what the gospel tells us. And so I'm going to read it to you from the Gospel of Luke. From the message translation again, we're kind of in the message translation today all day. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way and he was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. Now, Pastor Sean and I went to Israel about a month ago. We actually drove by, we were in Jericho, and we drove by the tree that tradition says that Zacchaeus climbed up. We have no idea if that's the actual tree, but it's always good for a good picture. This is the tree that Zacchaeus You know, but it's right there in the square, so we know Jesus would have been heading into town. The the people were passing the word along that Jesus was coming. And so it says, when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him, Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. Do you know any of those people? you know any people who are indignant and grump a lot? It's all the way back to biblical times. So what business does he have getting cozy with this crook, they said. And Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned, and he stammered apologetically. Master, I give away half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. And Jesus said, today is salvation day in his home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the son of man came to find and restore the lost. For the son of man came to find and restore the lost. You see... Zacchaeus was transformed that day when Jesus encountered him. He was able to move beyond who he was at that time and some of the regrets he may have had. And Jesus asked him to move out of the shadows and into the light. And into the light. You know, as I said, we don't know much about him. We know that he was... Probably not a young man because he was a chief tax collector. He probably moved up the ranks, had people live, uh, working for him. He had been promoted many times as the chief tax collector. But I would say that he probably wasn't too old. I would say he's probably younger than 56 because he climbed a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and I could tell you, This gal ain't climbing a tree at 56. So I would say he was probably younger than 56. But he was definitely known. He was known in this community. He was probably looking back at some of the achievements that he had. But he was also reflecting upon how he got there. You see, tax collectors were known for skimming off the top. And it says very clearly in the scriptures that he was a wealthy man. And so he had been skimming off the top, stealing from the people, taking his cut, you could say, before it went to the Roman authorities. And he was living with himself in that. Because in the scriptures today, we see it very clearly. There it is. He is lost Why did the Son of Man come? To find and restore, right? To save the lost. He's lost. Lost in the regret of how he cheated people, lied to people, stolen from people. And he knew he did not want to continue his life that way because in this it says he wanted desperately to see Jesus. He wanted desperately to see Jesus. So much so that he climbs a tree so that he can see him. We know that Zacchaeus was a religious man. At least he was born that way. Because his name is Zacchaeus. His parents named him with meaning. A righteous man. A righteous man. So he was raised in God's word. He was raised in God's ways and evidently he'd moved far beyond it. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to be in your home today. Notice Jesus didn't ask him to repent. He didn't ask him to repay. He didn't even ask him to confess. And yet Zacchaeus being in the presence of Christ confesses everything, offers to pay it back, wants to live his life differently. Now I've often wondered, is it just the regret that helped him move that way? Mm, I don't think so. Would he have changed his ways just because he regretted some of his actions? Probably not. But being in the presence of Christ, Christ reaching out to him, loving him, yeah. He desperately wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to change. In that moment that he has with Christ, everything changes. His decisions. How he's going to live his life. The slate is wiped clean. You know, we might be motivated for change by learning from our regrets. But true change true life-giving transformation can only come by accepting the grace of Jesus Christ offered to us. That's the only way. You see, God's love is the only thing powerful enough to wipe this light clean. No more dwelling on the past. You see, God's love is the only thing powerful enough to help us move forward. And that's the good news. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. He came to wipe the slate clean and to call out to all of us, hey, I'm going to your house. I'm going to dine with you. I'm going to live so that you can live also. That's the good news. He teaches us how to put it all in its place and to love with all of our heart.